All right, well, hey, it's time to open up the Word of God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're in between two series right now. We just wrapped up our Great Expectations series. Next week, we're going to return to our series in 1 Corinthians. We spent about three months there uh, before... Thanksgiving, and now we're going to wrap up for about another three months uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians after uh, in, in 2018 at the first few months there. So uh, come back. I'm excited to continue this series called Life in a New Reality. But today we're going to talk about praying for the better things. One of the things that you will discover, one of the things you'll discover is that come to the new year, you're going to have all kinds of new resolutions. It's New Year's resolutions. It's the time for, for New Year's resolutions to begin. And so uh, as part of that, as part of a New Year's resolution, I want to encourage you to think about prayer as part of your New Year's resolutions. And so as we begin to think about prayer, uh, and you look into your own life, we, the kinds of things we pray for are interesting Sometimes we get stuck in ruts of prayers. Maybe uh, you're a student home from uh, college on the break or a high school student. You might have a prayer that looks something like this. Now I lay me down to rest, I pray, I pass tomorrow's test, and if I should die before I wake, that's one less test I have to take. Right? <laughs> yeah. But our prayers do kind of start to look typical. Someone came up with the American Prayer Automatic Prayer Generator. And you can see this chart here. You, maybe you can't read all the obscure print, but here's what you do. You pray for my obscure relative, great aunt, brother-in-law, third cousin, acquaintance, like next door neighbor, and then you have choices. I pray for their vehicle, car, scooter, tricycle, or their pet, or their body part is... Because it's broken, whatever. You know, and, and I, start, I cracked up when I saw this because I think for most of us, you could kind of put our prayers into an automatic prayer generator like this and come out with us. And so what I want to know is, what are the kinds of things that we should spend our time praying for? See, we should pray for all things. Any concern we have, we should lift before God. But how do we know if we're praying for the best things. How do we know if we're praying for the best things? Most Christians are terrified to pray in public. If we were to stop and have a prayer time and we would split up and ask you to get in small groups, most of you here, many of you today might be terrified by that concept. Why do we have a hard time praying in public? Well, I think it's mostly because most of us just don't do it. I had a few, of, I've taught a lot of kids to drive now. A few of my kids were afraid to drive. They were, they were just afraid, but they didn't do it. But once they did it more and more and more, it became less fearful. Praying in public is kind of like that. But even when we pray, what are the kinds of things that we should pray for? What are the best things to pray for? Today, I want to blow your mind. I want to, the best prayers are the ones that are focused on the gospel. The best prayers are the ones that are focused on the gospel. You may not pray like this. If you're like most people, your prayers are from the automatic random prayer generator. God, I need help on this test. God, I need help with this emergency. God, I need some money. God, I need healing. God, whatever. When is the last time you've prayed for the gospel? 
The best prayers are the ones that are centered on the gospel. When you pray for someone, what do you typically pray for? Safety, prosperity, blessing, that God would be with someone, even though we know he's with us, his Holy Spirit's always with us. Or you pray for a problem-free life or a miraculous healing. Physical healing seems to take up about 95% of our prayer time. We often pray, dear God, I know I don't pray that often, and I know I don't have much to do with you, but if you could just help me out this once, I promise I'll be a good person the rest of my life. And that's our prayer. How do we pray differently? In 2018, how could you pray biblically? You see, the best prayers are the ones that are centered on the gospel. We understand so little about prayer because God isn't interested in bartering with us. So many of us can reflect on this prayer uh, like this little boy Raphael prayed. He said this. He said, Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money or my chess set. Raphael. <laughs> like, we're like, God, can we barter here? But the truth is we can't barter with God because the Bible says we're spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing to offer. How do you barter when you have nothing to offer? To barter with someone, you have to have something to give. There are better things. You see, God wants us to pray. He's not interested in us bartering. He longs for us to pray. And there are things that we are not praying for that we should be praying for. So when we pray for others, how should we pray? In 2 Thessalonians 3, the Apostle Paul solicits the prayers of the Christians in the city of Thessalonica. And he does not ask them to pray for his health. He does not ask them to pray for his job. He does not ask them to pray for his family. He does ask them to pray about the gospel. The best prayers are the ones that are centered on the gospel. So how can you pray about the gospel? As your prayer life, as you develop a prayer life in the year 2018, as I would challenge you to do, set aside time to pray, what do you pray for with regards to the gospel? Paul gives us three things that we can pray for about the gospel. And I would encourage you to start to think about your prayer life in these terms. And the first thing that you need to pray for with regard to the gospel message is that the gospel message would be fruitful. That it would be fruitful. Look at the text with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, he says, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Paul cares most about in his life is this. He cares that the work of the gospel would go forth in his life, and he cares that it would spread and be honored of good reputation. We don't think this way. He wants the gospel to be fruitful. We tend to not think about praying about this. But this is the thing that concerns Paul most, that the gospel through him would be fruitful. Now, of course, we can't go any further without stopping and remind you of something that I remind you of every single week. What is the gospel? The word gospel just simply means good news. And it's this good news that in our bad news, in our spiritual bankrupt state, and caught in our own sin, it's this news that God came to us, the message of Christmas. God became one of us. 
And in Jesus, he allowed his own creatures to kill him. His own creation killed him. His blood was shed, and his blood covers over our sins. Jesus didn't stay dead, though. He rose victorious, and he sent his spirit among us. That's how the New Testament writers talk about the gospel. This is the good news, that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves in Christ. Now, how does the gospel message spread? Because in the whole book of Acts across the New Testament, we see particularly the Apostle Paul taking this gospel message to the known world, to the Gentiles. Well, the only way the gospel can go forth is if God changes hearts. You see, the primary influencer in the spread of the gospel is prayer. Words are necessary. They are. They're God's chosen vehicle through which the gospel message is communicated. But ultimately, God does the changing of hearts. So Paul says, if you want to pray for something, pray that the message of the gospel would be honored, that it would go forth, that it was read, that it would be fruitful. You see, Paul cares deeply about this gospel. It's the most compelling, driving part of his life. And he cares deeply that the gospel be honored amongst all people. He wants it to be respected, not for the sake of accolades, but so that it would be held up in high esteem and go forth unhindered. You see, I wonder what drives you and me. All you have to do is take a look at your prayer life to figure out what drives you and me. What drives you? What do you pray for? Do you pray for, what drives you? Does your career drive you? Does your family situations drive you? Does your health drive you? Does looking forward to a vacation drive you? Most of us need to confess that we aren't driven by the gospel. And I'm not talking about near, mere boldness, although that's important, but I'm talking about effectiveness in how we live our lives. Each one of us lives out the gospel every day. And how do we do it? Are we driven by it? Most of us need to care about the things God cares apart, cares about. We need to care about the things he cares about, namely people. You see, the most difficult thing in any movement, and don't mistake, the gospel is a 2,000-year-old movement across that started across the scope of human history. God's been writing this story. It's a movement. Movements start by getting people to care. Any movement. Look at civil rights. People had to care. Look at environmentalism. They have to care. Look at fiscal reform or, or women's suffrage or sweatshop labor or hunger or poverty or ethical treatment of animals. You, I mean, pick the movement whether you like it or not. They're trying to get you to care. You first have to get people to care. So do you care about the gospel? You see, this is eternal. And it's, also, it's, it's now, though. People's right standing with God, there is nothing more important. So we need to pray that the gospel would be effective in our lives. Effective and fruitful in the lives of others. See, the best prayers are the ones that are focused on the gospel. 
Once we begin to care about people, then we begin to care about the fruitfulness of the gospel through us. And it's at that point we become a focal point of Satan. If you care about the things God cares about, Satan is going to focus on you. And that's why Paul prays next for the protection of the evil one. So first we pray that the gospel would be fruitful. The second point today, I've asked for uh, some help in preaching the second point. And one of our elders, Doug McCone, has uh, prepped this second point for us this morning, that not only would the gospel be fruitful, but the gospel would also be protected. And so in true baton style, if I had a baton, I'm just going to pass it to Doug seamlessly for the second point of our message this morning. I don't know how many of you were here for our, uh, I don't think it was the Alpha class, it was the, uh, the, the First Steps class, something like that, where Dave brought me in to speak specifically about sin and referred to me as the sin expert. And once again, <laughs> once again, here I am speaking as the sin expert. Uh, because this gospel that we, that we do pray that, we, that it would be fruitful in, in our own lives and in the lives of others, we also need to pray that this gospel message would be protected. Uh, these next two verses, let me read these out for you here. And I'm reading from the ESV. I'm sorry for uh, everybody else. Uh, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, who, uh, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. You know, at a first glance, Paul is praying for his safety, right? And this is a guy who was accustomed to having to pray for his safety. Shipwrecked, what, twice? Beaten, uh, riots created around him. Remember from uh, the Ephesians? You know, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, you know, and, and they were just going crazy. The whole place was rocking because they all wanted to kill him. Yeah, we want to, yeah, he knew a thing or two about, about needing to pray for his protection. Um, firsthand, how many have done this, though? How many have prayed that we would be protected as we live out in, in light of this gospel and share with, with our neighbors and our friends, how many have prayed that we would be protected through this? You know, we're, we're living here in suburbia, Iowa, you know, Waukee. This is not exactly a place where riots break out. We don't really think too much about, about physical protection as, as, we, as we share the gospel, but we're told here, pray that we would be pre- delivered from the wicked and evil men. So what, what danger are we talking about? I, we almost have to look outside of our, of our community and pray that the danger would be protected from somebody else. You know, I, as, as I was putting this together, I was, the first thing that came to mind was the Tierneys. You know, we have Ashley here. I'm very glad that she is here. But I don't know how many of you remember back in 2013 when in Kenya there was a, a terrorist event in, in the Westgate Mall. Do, do you remember that? 67 people gunned down. That's the mall that the Tierneys used to go to to buy shoes and stuff. And, and, and I was praying fervently when I heard that someone that in, in Kenya, that there was this shooting going on. I wasn't sure that that was the mall that she would go to, but I was praying that, hey, we have someone that we know right now who we don't know their, their fate. And when we heard about that, that they were okay, you know, that was, a, that was a prayer answered right there. But, you know, it's pretty unlikely that we're going to be physically attacked for, for living in light of this gospel, at least, at least any time soon, that's for sure. So let's read this text again here. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He'll establish you and guard you against the evil one. This text doesn't require, it doesn't say anything about violence. Did you see the word violence in there? Did you see attacks? No, it just said delivered from wicked and evil men, or evil people, I believe is how the NIV puts it, 
For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He'll establish you and guard you against the evil one. And, and as I look at this also, I notice that the first, the first verse says that we would be delivered from wicked and evil men or wicked and evil people. The second verse says that we, he would, that we would be established and guarded against the evil one. We have two different words here. It's almost like they're interchangeable. So, so the, these evil people that, that are equated with the evil one, these, these are people that whether they realize it or not, they're being influenced by Satan. And yes, uh, Satan is a real, a real being, and Satan is something that we do need to be aware of because we need to be protected from this person and from those who were influenced by, uh, by, by Satan. And why do we need to be protected? Because this gospel message comes from us. Okay, the, the, uh, the book of Acts talks about the, uh, the apostles that go and, and go on all these missionary journeys and, and they establish churches. But, you know, another thing that God did to, to spread this gospel around was to start, well, was to allow, actually, the persecution of his own people in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, they had to scatter. They had to get out of town. And as they went from, from town to town, they shared with their new neighbors this gospel message and the word of the Lord spread from them. The people who, the messages of the go, messengers of the gospel, sorry, it's been a while since I've done this. The messengers of the gospel isn't Dave, it isn't Ashley. The messengers of the gospel are you and me. You know, we talk about living out the gospel, and that, that seems so hard to understand. It's living in light of the gospel. It's understanding that your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, not by yourself, and that this free gift is available not only to you, but to other people. And it's believing that in your own heart and living in light of that and being willing to share with other people. So, so Paul is praying here for the protection of gospel messengers, and so should we. And those gospel messengers are us. Uh, this also makes me uh, think about the last part of these two verses. Um, who, who, we have the, the, gospel, or the evil people and we have the evil one. And, and I have already uh, given you the, uh, the spoiler, the evil one that we are talking about, is indeed Satan. Uh, Satan is a murderer from the beginning. It says so in the scriptures. And he is not discussed in our society with the measure of seriousness that he should have. You see, Satan is actually really happy with the way things are right now. Because when we talk about Satan, it's either like the church lady, could it be Satan? So, you know, so, so we really don't give him any seriousness at all. Or we go to the other end of the spectrum and we think that every evil thing that possibly happened came from none other than Satan. We, we, have, to, we have to maintain a balance. You know, Satan is a created being just like us. Satan is not putting one vote against us with Jesus putting one vote for us and we have to make that final vote on what's going to happen. No, no, no. Do not give Satan that place. Satan is not equal to Jesus. He is not equal to God in any way. He never has been. Everything he has ever been, ever, ever done has been done, dare I say it, with the okay of Jesus. Satan had to go up to, uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, to God and ask that, that he persecute Job, if you remember from your reading. Satan's actions at Calvary with, with the people that, that drove the nails into Jesus' hands that I will say is the worst sin that ever happened when we took the Lord of glory and put him up on a tree was all the plan of God. Satan does not act on his own authority. 
So yes, he, he has something, something to be taken serious. We do want to pray against his actions, but at the same time, put them in the proper context. God is in control. Satan is not. So, so Satan does want to tempt you. He wants to tempt you. He wants to take this gospel message that you have and undermine it in some way or another. And yeah, yeah, sometimes they can undermine it by changing things around just a little bit. Like, Jesus died for your sins, but you still can't be saved unless you're good enough. That, that's an undermining of the gospel, and that's something that we're praying against here. Another thing that we pray against is that our own personal testimony would be kept safe and sound as we go forth with this message. Satan wants to tempt you. He wants to make you enjoy the things that God hates, and he wants to make you hate the things that God loves, and he does it in very subtle ways. Has Satan never tempted you in a way that makes you enjoy something that God hates? Has Satan never tempted you to hate something that God loves? Let, let, let me word that a different way. Have you ever felt pressured to either do, believe, or celebrate something that Jesus died for? I have. And that's something we need to be aware of. That's something we need to pray against and pray to be protected. But this reading doesn't stop there. The Lord is faithful. These, these men are faithless. It's contrasted with the Lord who is faithful. He will establish you. He will guard you against the evil one. That's the promise of God. We have, we have a command, commandment here to pray against something, and we have the promise that that prayer will be answered. So by all means, pray away. Pray that God would protect you because you already know what the answer is. You know, when I would go to my mother and ask her a question, not knowing what the answer was, I was always a little bit unsure about this thing. But if I knew what the answer was, I'd go for it. Same with my dad. Same with my dad. So yes, go to your heavenly father and pray that he would protect you because he's already said that he would. Now, does this mean that, you know, if, if the protection thing is kind of scary, I really don't want to have Satan coming after me. I really don't want to be pressured, put into a box. Does that mean that if you decide not to spread the gospel, that life is going to be all rosy? Absolutely not. Life is hard. And, and, and these things are going to come at you regardless. The promise of God isn't just that you're going to be protected from anything bad ever happening to you, but it's the promise that your life that you live is going to be a life that's better. It's a life with a purpose. You're, you're, you're not going to be at the end of it all and wonder what was the point. You're going to be able to look back and say, you know, just one life will soon be passed or will soon be lost. You know what? I should have written that one down. Just one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So Dave blew our minds a moment ago. It's my turn. You know, I don't get up here very often, and I like watching him cringe, so I'm going to give you one here too. The goal of the gospel is not so that someday when you die, you can go to heaven. That's not the be-all, end-all of the gospel. That's a byproduct. That's something that happens because of the gospel, yes, but that's not the reason for it. Going to heaven is the result of a restored relationship with God, not the ultimate goal. You are saved because you treasure Jesus, and what is ultimately so great about heaven in the first place is that Jesus is there. There you go. You can stop cringing.
So the big idea we have here, the best prayers are the ones that focus on the gospel. So I am asking us all to pray that evil people and the evil one would not interfere with your sharing of the gospel. That when, the, you, when you are pressured to undermine your own witness by doing things or saying things or, or celebrating things that you really know that Jesus doesn't celebrate, that, that you would find a way out and say, no, thank you. I love you, and I love you too much to celebrate these things. Um, the best prayers are the ones that focus on the gospel. I'm praying that, I, I'm asking us all to pray this year fervently for the message of Beza threads in Ethiopia who no longer have their stand up. But Jane will be more than happy to talk to you about it. There are people living in Ethiopia right now in slavery, and Beza threads will help pluck them out of slavery and give them an occupation that they can do on their own, open up their own business, and be self self sufficient. The gospel goes forward through Beza threads, and it takes people out of slavery, both the, the physical slavery that we think of as well as the slavery to sin. And, and you can also pray for the message of hope a hope for tomorrow and a life that's not wasted today as you pray for the girls at Parenting and pray that these, these boys who were the fathers of these, of these teenage or of these young children to the teenage moms, these fathers would also hear this message and that this message would, would do its work and that, and that this gospel restoration would take these, these young families and make them whole again. And, and you can pray also for that family member that you saw last week at Christmas. You know, you know that one that you kind of wish they wouldn't have shown up in the first place. You know, you can pray that you can love them and that you can be an ear for them and someone that they can approach, and you can pray that God would give you an opportunity to share this gospel message that they don't have to waste their life anymore. They can live for a kingdom that's never-ending, something that's guaranteed not to fail. And you can pray, as Dave said in, in point one, that that would be an effective conversation. Because God's will is never thwarted. That's the extent of what I brought up here. Will you see me again? I don't know. I don't know. But back to you, Dave. Thanks, Doug. So we, we pray that the gospel would be fruitful and that it would be protected. And now the third thing we pray for is that the gospel would be preserved. Look at the text again. Verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. So Paul is essentially praying here that the message that is rooted in them will persevere. You see, uh, preservation is in God's hand. Perseverance is in God's hand. We have confidence. Earlier we talked about in, in... Doug's section that God is the faithful one. Faith is dependent upon God. He is the initiator and the preserver of faith. So he says, we have confidence. They are an answer to prayer. Paul has confidence that God will preserve them. Now, in preservation, it's not that we don't have a part. Preservation of the gospel in our lives and the lives of others is not passive. It's not that we just sit, sit back in our preserved. Preservation is active. When I was a kid in grade school, um, I was a picky eater. That really has never changed. I'm still picky. I confess it. But one of the things that I would not eat is school hot lunch. I don't know with what we know. Anyway, but uh, so I wouldn't eat hot lunch. So my mom would make me lunch. And so uh, she would, I had a great Tupperware lunch bag. It was awesome. And uh, I would open that up and each day and there would be a, an apple. And the apple 
was always cut up because I wouldn't, I was a picky kid, I wouldn't just eat an apple. So mom would cut it and peel the skin off for me and put it in my lunch. And well, if you know anything about apples, if if you do that uh, in the morning, by the time lunch gets around, those peeled, cut up apples are brown and gross. And so they made something that she found somewhere, some powder that you could sprinkle on these apples that kept them from turning uh, brown. Now, who knows what kind of toxicity I put in my body as a child, right? But it was, they were preserved. The apple was crisp and good and filled with toxins. It was awesome, all right? Uh, That's passive preservation. It just sits there. But I think about, don't think about the preservation of the gospel like that. Think of it as as an active thing. Think about someone who goes to the gym. Hey, it's the new year. I bet some of you are going on a diet tomorrow, and some of you are going to the gym tomorrow or the next day. But that is active preservation. You're trying to use your body and work it out to preserve it so you don't let it go. That's active preservation, and that's what Paul has in mind here. He said, you're supposed to pray for people that they will be obedient. I mean, that's the idea here. He wants the the gospel that has worked into their hearts to persevere through obedience. Now, obedience is a dirty word. Right? It has been eliminated from wedding ceremonies, the word obedience. It has been eliminated from much of our lives. As a kid, you didn't like being obedient. I guarantee it. You didn't like You may have done it, but you didn't like it. As an adult, we like it less because we don't want to feel like kids. Obedience. Obedience is part and parcel with the gospel. If you want to be preserved in the gospel, the gospel to be faithful, working it out through God's preservation... Obedience is important. It's actually a fruit of being preserved. So we know that Jesus commands this. So if we want to be to persevere, that's a better word, I think. If we persevere in the gospel, we need to know the teachings of Jesus. The best way to be actively preserved is to obey him. How do we do that? We do that through the word. Now, each and every week, I come up here, and I open up the Word of God, and I preach from this thing. And that's important. I could get really creative, probably, and we could have some sermon title on the last Jedi about being the last Christian in the whole world or something, right? I, I could come up with a million movie title sermons for you, and I, first of all, I'm not that creative. Second of all, it diverges from the Word, we care. It may not be the most exciting thing for you. Like, woo! It's the Word. We need to know it. It needs to be saturated in our lives. It may not be entertaining, but it's faithful. So in 2018, along the line of perseverance, I want to encourage you, it is a great time of year to get saturated in the Word again. So many of you start a one-year Bible planning plan, reading plan at this time of year, and I encourage it wholeheartedly. Uh, You may find it takes you two years to make it through a one-year plan. I don't care. 
Good job. You may get three months behind. Don't quit. Persevere. In fact, uh, we use the Bible app. Uh, we talk about it a lot. We use a live event every week. And uh, if you're going to read the Bible, choose a Bible reading plan and start it. Start it tomorrow morning. Read through the Bible in a year. I would challenge you to do that. The audio Bible makes it awesome. L- listen to it on the way to work. You could do this in your life. Uh, one of the the, there's a million plans you can choose from. It feels like endless in this Bible app. But one of the plans uh, is, is the Through the Bible plan by Ligonier Ministries. And uh, it, uh, Jared will show you that on the next slide here. But it's just Bible in a year. And you can pull it up on the app. It's from Ligonier. If you just search for that in the app, you'll find it. Uh, I like it because it gives you a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament every day, and you read through the Bible in in a year, and and you can do that. It's easy. But we need to be saturated in this. We need to be saturated in the Word of God. Let us be people who know the Word of God. Many of you have followed Christ for years and have never read the Bible. You just never... You've read at it, you've heard people preach from it, you've heard verses quoted here or there. You never read the whole thing. You should. I would encourage you to do that, find that. Because if in 2018 you're going to pray about the gospel, that it would persevere in your life, being submerged in the word of God is important. But the last thing, and I would just wrap up like this, is if you're going to pray about the gospel, you actually have to pray. You actually have to pray. And I'm not just talking about you're walking down the road and, and uh, you, you see an accident on the side of the road and you go, dear God, help that person. Or you're there and you should, you know, some, some, you get an email that reminds you of someone and you pray, oh, dear God, help that person. Those are important to be in an attitude of prayer all the day long, but I'm talking about taking a set period of time in the quiet and letting God transform you as you pray to Him. Uh, I recently have been using a fantastic app for this. It's called the Echo Prayer app. It was developed fairly recently, I think, uh, because they keep making changes and modifying it, making it better. But I love this. You can search for it in your app store. You can get it on your phone. Uh, In this Echo Prayer app, we actually have uh, a Waukee Community Church prayer list that you can add and see all the prayer requests from our church that we're sharing with each other. You can make your own list. You can share your prayer requests with people that you love and care about and are invested in your life. They can pray for you. You can pray for them. And it's just, you can set reminders at 10 o'clock. Remind me to pray for the gospel to go forward through X, Y, or Z. You can remind yourself of this. This prayer app is fantastic. Uh, I've been using it. I know more and more people have been using it. It doesn't cost you anything. And it's a way to help you pray. Carve out in your lives, just start with five minutes. One of my favorite ways to pray, because if you're at all like me, you're, um, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a little scatterbrained and a little attention deficit disorder. So I have sometimes hard time praying. So one thing I've found is it's, because I'll sit down, let's say I'm sitting at a desk and my computer's there and, and I'll pray for 30 seconds and then an email pops up or a reminder, and, oh, I've got to do this. And before I know it, 
an hour's gone by and I could quit praying altogether. And so one of my habits is that when I sit down, I make sure my computer is off and closed. And I find that very helpful to me. I don't go into work mode. Another thing I do is I get on my knees. Now that sounds a little archaic, like getting on your knees. That sounds a little cliche. It is very helpful to actually physically find a place to get on your knees. If your goal is to pray for five minutes today, spend five minutes on your knees. Put a piece of paper next to your desk or your chair or your bedroom or wherever you are. Because if you're like me, a million things that you've got to do are going through your mind. And if I'm praying and I, and I think, oh, I've got to, uh, you know, get, get the kids a doctor's appointment today, like, I'll obsess over that and quit praying. So I just write it down. Doctor appointment, done. Get back to praying. These are some practical suggestions to help you pray. La- last thing I would say is if you uh, need to move when you're praying, be a mover. It's okay. Walk laps and pray. That your phone can go everywhere with you. It does, because I know all of you walk like this. I've seen all of you do it. Uh, And so you can pray like this. Flip open the app. Start walking around. Go to the mall and pray or wherever you want to walk. If it's the dead of winter, don't walk outside. It's 20 below. Go somewhere warm. Walk on the treadmill and pray. I don't know, but do what you need to do to pray. Set aside the time and pray. It's important. And the best prayers are the ones that center on the gospel. So as you pray, pray that the gospel would be fruitful, that it would go forth. As you pray, pray that the gospel would be protected from the schemes of the evil one. And pray that the work of the gospel would persevere in the lives of those who have heard it and who believe it. That they would persevere in obedience to Christ. This is my challenge for you in 2018. I'm going to be talking about these apps a lot. You're going to get tired of hearing it. I would love for us to be a church in 2018 that prays. A church that prays. And that is my challenge for you today. Let's pray as our worship team comes up for a closing song. Heavenly Father, we want to be people who pray. That is our great desire, that we need to be the kind of people who pray and not merely about insignificant things, but about the gospel. Would you transform us and make us the kinds of people that pray that the gospel would be fruitful, protected, and be preserved in our lives? And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.